Welcome to the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. If you're a brand manager or a marketer, entrepreneur, or you're just interested in everything digital, listen up, because this podcast is for you. We're Impressive, a digital marketing agency in Melbourne. We've put together this podcast to cover some of the most current topics in digital marketing. Every two weeks, we'll be talking about subjects related to SEO, PPC, and Facebook advertising. Some of the industry's experts will be jumping in on the mic for each show with a different set of hosts every fortnight. This podcast is run by you, the listener. So reach out and tell us what you want us to talk about. All right, should we dive into the world of digital marketing? Welcome to the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. Today on episode nine, we're going to take a deep dive into branding. Hi, my name is Aiden Joseph. I'm a designer with Impressive Digital, and I deal with primarily the visual side of branding. With me today is Matt Rossler, who is a senior account manager with Impressive. Uh, so Matt, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So basically what I am is a conduit between uh, project managing the team, making sure that they have everything that they need in order to run projects on time, on budget, um, and getting great results for the clients. And then on the other side, uh, creating relationships, strong relationships with clients, making sure that they have everything that they need, that they're happy with the results that we're getting and making those two sides of the business work together. That's a lot. That's really busy. Yeah, it definitely is. So as we're going to talk about branding, is branding something that's always been important? So I guess, you know, I think one of the great things about this episode is that you'll be coming from, with your background, quite a visual uh, type of, of background. And for me, I've sort of grown up over the last 10, 15 years with working with people who are online experts, authors, speakers, anyone with sort of intellectual uh, property that they then sell uh, online, et cetera. So I come from that sort of background. So for me, um, branding is really, really important, but the branding that I focus on more with or that I've had more experience with is more about the message that people get out there uh, rather than just sort of the visual representation. So it's, I think it's going to be cool, you know, bouncing off each other on that. Definitely. Um, I, I mean, in terms of what most people, I suppose, who aren't involved with developing brands, their idea of branding is probably what I do, which is the visual side of it. But there is great value in your intangible assets as a company and uh, the reputation that you develop uh, over time based on your actions and the way you organize your company, the way you go about delivering your products and services. What I do is one part of the overarching strategy. Keeping that in mind, has branding always been important or is it more important now in today's digital landscape? Yeah, look, I think, again, if I'm looking at it from my background with looking at the message that people put out there, branding's been important from you know, basically from cavemen, right? As soon as people came out with the small, uh, you know, mum and pup shops, it, you literally could have two of the same shops in the same street and one's pumping full of people and the other one's pretty much dying. And so why is that? Assuming that the products are pretty much similar. It's because one of the shops managed to get their brand out there, get their name out there and make themselves popular. And so branding's always been really, really important. But now, so with social media, Facebook, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, all these social platforms coming on and people becoming more online focused, branding has never, ever been more important than it is now. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I'm, I find personally I'm, I'm consuming a lot of my media now, transitioning more over to my mobile to 
look at news and get bite-sized entertainment. I'm still checking some things out on my desktop, but I'm often just flicking through my phone. How has branding changed with the prominence of mobile as a prime source of media consumption and how audiences and consumers are now using that as they go to over the desktop? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, uh, you know, as we just sort of talked about with video and audio, things have moved a lot into creating uh, shorter form content that people can consume while they're, you know, as I said, in line or if they're um, on the train, etc. So rather than creating this whole long form content, even though it can perform well in certain areas, quite often now short form or short, you know, two, three minute videos, audio now is becoming really, really popular. Again, it sort of went through a cycle of being popular, then kind of went quiet and now it's back again. This has really uh, helped with sort of mobile searches from, you know, from what I can see. What about you? Yeah, for me, I, I'm addicted to Insta stories mm. um, and I seem to not really use my Snapchat for other than news and updates. And I just, there's always some kind of engaging media that is in a manageable little hit that I can handle, you know, because I don't want to watch half an hour of something. It's, it's hitting me in a few minutes and I'm getting a lot out of it. And I, I don't know, I can't even remember the last time I watched the news on TV or anything like that, or even on the radio. I think I'm, I'm tuning into Spotify, you're right. And yeah. um, I'm yet to uh, warm up to Google Home and how we activate with our voice. But um, I have been listening to some of our other podcasts about, <laughs> about voice search, which is, which is really interesting. Um, That's a really important point you bring up as well with voice um, and Google Home, et cetera. If we look at the next sort of five years down the track, um, you know, every home is going to have Google Home or Alexa or whatever it is. There's now this new technology called flash briefing where basically um, everybody in the next five years, their first five to seven minutes is going to be completely programmed by them by choosing three to four episodes of one minute snippets that they want to hear in the morning. So let's say you wake up six o'clock, you might hear uh, the news and the weather. You might listen to your favorite motivational person for a minute, and then you might get a tip of the day for whatever it is that you're interested in. And that's your first seven minutes um, of every day that gets you started for every day. So that's where everything's heading with audio. Um, and so something that we can do to start thinking about is taking advantage of um, audio in that way and creating flash briefings and things like that. Flash briefing sounds like what I want actually <laughs> yeah. like I've been I've been setting up my desktop with an alarm so I can listen to John Wick 2 when it when I wake up I don't want to listen to an alarm that sounds like an alarm I want to be exactly. I want to be engaged as a, from the moment that I open my eyes you know I want my consciousness to be awaking seamlessly to move forward into my day rather than to be jolted into it I think and I think with these emerging technologies, that's it's making it's going to make waking up more enjoyable. A lot more enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Some of the standout brands that are doing this sort of work, you mentioned Google Home. What else have we got? Well, if we're talking the audio space, obviously the main players, we've got Google and Alexa. Uh, there might be one other one. I can't remember which one it is. So we don't know who's going to win yet. Uh, those are obviously the, the front runners, but it, just as easily something like a, a Sony or Someone else can come up and, and win that market, but most likely, you know, I'm betting on Google or Alexa. So talking about brands like Google, uh, who are very dominant, what are some other brands that are engaging you? So I'm going to kind of go a little bit outside the square on this one um, and talk about 
just a few brands and why they stand out for me. Again, coming from the messaging point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So if we think of the saying, just do it, who do you think of? I think of Nike. Right, exactly. Finger licking good, KFC. KFC, There we go. I have a dream, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, yeah. There you go. So all of these are uh, slogans, messages, core messages that people and businesses have put out there to create this branding so that people recognize the brand, right? And so if we dig a little bit deeper into the brands that stand out and why, that the major thing that from my point of view that I see brands do is they create a tribe of people that follow that brand, right? And so a tribe of people is just basically a community of people with like-minded goals, right? And it can be any sort of business. It doesn't have to be, I'm not talking just about influencers or anything like that right now. It can be brands like Apple, Virgin, McDonald's, places like that. And so in order to create a tribe, if you think of a triangle, there's sort of three sections that I look at that make a really good tribe. If you look at the top of the angle, there's something called cause. So cause is basically something that people can get behind, right? Um, So if you think of Apple, for example, you know, what people can get behind is that the products are made based on lifestyle. They're based on making you feel good about yourself compared to just focusing on, you know, tech, for example, right? Yeah, no, they make me feel good. I think from uh, from when they really engaged uh, everyone with the iPod, I think people were, yeah, people wanted to look cool and feel cool and feel good. And I mean, music makes everybody feel good. And I guess that's what they use to get back in the game in a way. No, exactly. And that's, uh, you know, with that, um, you know, do you have any idea of the specs of your Mac laptop or iPod or anything like that? Only my laptop, I think, you know, so I mean, but that's because I'm constantly using it and constantly looking at those specs for some reason, but for for all the other products, no. So most people have no idea what the specs are for their Apple products because they don't care. It's not about that. It's about the lifestyle and, you know, being part of that. So that's sort of the first part of the triangle, the top part of the triangle, which is the cause. The second part is having an attractive character. So if we think of, again, of Apple, who do we think of as the leader of Apple? Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. And if you think of Virgin, who's the leader of that? Richard Branson. Right? There we go. If you think of McDonald's, the leader of that? Ronald McDonald. You know, having an attractive character, and I don't mean good looking, I mean someone that you can get behind and follow. And that resonates, um, right? Exactly. Is very, very important for a brand. And then the third part of that triangle is having a vehicle of change. So what is it that you do that's different to everyone else? How do you treat people differently? How do you service people differently? Is, how is your product different? You know, so what is that vehicle of change? And so, it usually, it's usually something very valuable for that time, right? That's how they break through and past all their competitors. Exactly. So having, you know, I don't want to go too much into all of this, but all of this creates that, that core message, which builds the tribe. And that, if you can create that properly, then that's going to create that brand that everyone's going to have that affinity towards. So if we bring it back to that branding and, and all that sort of stuff, if you can create that message that attracts your ideal tribe, so whether you're a fashion brand, whether you're, you sell products, whether you sell information, it doesn't matter. If you can create that tribe of your ideal target audience and match the message to that target audience, then you're going to be successful. And so one of the things you want to do is make sure that you have a unique voice that stands out in the marketplace. Most people listening to this probably sell a service or a product that's similar to everyone else. We sell, as an agency, sell a similar product to other agencies. So why is it that we stand out? It's not because of our services. It's because of how we service people, our message, all that sort of stuff that makes us stand out. And so if we don't create that unique message, then we're going to create something called apathy for our brand. 
And apathy is the killer of all businesses. It's basically they don't like you, they don't hate you, they don't care about you. And mm. so with that apathy and branding, if you can't, if you're creating apathy for your brand, then you're never going to be successful. So what you want to try and do is create affinity with your ideal target audience and repel the people that aren't your ideal target audience with branding. And so, sorry, yes. you're going to say something? No, yeah, I was going to, I was just thinking of how it's, it's the, the character of a brand that gravitate towards just as much as the, the, the look of it. I mean, the look of it is one thing, but that's kind of, that's uh, the superficial level. It doesn't matter how cool you look if you're a jerk. No one wants to, <laughs> no one wants to deal with you, right? Yeah. Lucky Rob's got both. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like some companies, they, they somehow incidentally develop their brand without realizing it. And for some, for a while, sometimes it works for them. But how important is it to focus your resources on like an inventory, like a brand inventory? As a designer, I'm constantly dealing with style guides to allow me to not stray from the focus of how the brand is represented. In terms of the internal branding, what are a few points that you would want a company to keep in mind that would help them not stray from delivering their message? That's a really, really good question. And just before as well, you mentioned that, uh, you know, some some businesses naturally just go out, put their message out there. They don't really have a system for things and they get some success. And then they get to a point where they're sort of not growing anymore because they don't really understand what they did to get themselves there in the first place. And then also on top of that, we're adding on uh, different platforms as we move along. So, we now, you know, Twitter is very different to um, YouTube, which is very different to LinkedIn, which is very different messaging to Facebook or Instagram and then Snapchat. So all of these different platforms, uh, if you were to speak the same way, the same messaging to each different platform, you'd get a different response. So you need to, uh, the first thing is to understand your core message and what are the, you know what are the things that make up you as a business you know go, going back to your cause your attractive character and your vehicle really working out what that is and therefore uh, your what your message is to your ideal target audience in order to do that you need to know who your ideal target audience is so those are the things that are the fundamentals for creating that and then once you've got that core message it's then about um, how do you translate that to the different platforms in their native language and their native setup. That's from a messaging point of view. From a visual point of view, what are the things, you mentioned style guides, are there anything else that you have as fundamentals or as part of a system that, that you believe businesses should have to really grow their brand? Yeah, I mean, across the board, if we were just to throw a blanket sort of few key points, I often deal with startups as well as large companies who have some existing style guide but for the ones that don't have a style guide I'll sit with them to figure out the message what they're about but to chisel at that sculpture that is their identity it's always comes down to what they will do what they won't do so it's do's and don'ts and why and then that usually allows us to create some sort of a roadmap and that's and that can sort of be applied to all, all, all different aspects of the business to I suppose and if you can sort of bring it back to those few points it allows you to cut the fat and you'll you'll reach your answer quicker so sometimes you know once you once you've got those do's don'ts and why's listed for different aspects of your branding you immediately know how you you should appropriately go about presenting the brand in the company 
So going back to how we discussed how some companies get some short-term success and find that they're on a, a bit of a winning streak, how does branding build credibility and long-term fans and brand loyalty? That's a good question. So from a messaging point of view, the reason branding works so well at the moment is because people have had people sell to them every single day now. They've been on all of the platforms, everybody's selling to you every single second. And so what's happening is people becoming desensitized to just you trying to sell them, sell them, sell them, sell them. And what they want now more than anything is to be able to create a relationship with the brand before they buy from them. They want to create like, trust and buying intent from a brand. So in order for us to be able to do that, the best way to do that is to be able to create consistent content that adds value to that person's life related to your niche, uh, which over time builds that like, trust and buying intent so that when they're ready, they make something called an internal buying decision to want to buy from you rather than you trying to sell them and create any what's called an external buying decision. I can already think of like, I'm already thinking of uh, internal buying decisions I make during my week. And it's because I have those few brands that I've just trusted. So I've ended up seeing other products that they've had and buying them because I know how good my experience has been from the initial product that I've bought from them or the experience that I've had with that brand. Like whether I go to the supermarket and I always get the same particular brand of bars, you know, to snack on. And it's because they, as a company, I can, I kind of have, I have trust in them. You can trust them, right? Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So that's the difference between trying to sell people, which is what everyone's used to now and creating, trying to create an external buying decision. The thing about an external buying decision is that generally after a sale, that'll create something called buyer's remorse because an external factor sort of pressured them to make a decision. They made a decision and they went, oh no. And then that, that can create buyer's remorse. The thing about doing branding and doing that over time and creating that trust and having them make that internal buying decision, they feel really good about that decision. And quite often those people will be your ideal clients because when someone makes an internal buying decision, they will defend that decision to the death. So if we bring that back to certain brands, for example, again, if we think about Apple, right, they've created a really, really strong affinity towards their brand by their branding and people make internal buying decisions to buy from them and they defend that decision. You know, you are someone, I'm an Apple user. Yeah. And so you are someone who's a Mac user. Why did you buy that product? Well, because I, I want to, that's why. Why did you not buy the Windows product? Because, I'm used to this yeah, product and exactly. I know how to use it and they know what I need. So I just keep going back to that. <laughs> exactly. And quite often people are like, yeah, but why did you buy that? I'm like, I have no idea. I just really like it. Well, we're creatures of habit, right? So once we're exactly. familiar with something that is doing its job for us, we just stick with it. But you can, you can lose that trust if something changes, right? And it's not working for you anymore. Exactly. So if you're not constantly working on getting good content out there or creating, you know, consistently working on your branding and having a reason, a cause for people to get behind, an attractive character for people to follow and a vehicle of change for people to be able to see that path to where they want to go, then over time, if you don't continue to work on that, the affinity towards your brand will drop and then that apathy will increase. And that's what, again, will kill a brand. So we've talked a lot about businesses. Um, so what if we move on to individuals? What is personal branding? I've been hearing a lot about that. And you've mentioned it to me in passing too, Matt. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, personal branding has become very, very notable now. Uh, you, you can think of characters like Gary Vee, 
Um, you know, there's a few other characters like that out there that are really, really popular in their different niches. And the reason they became popular is because they created this personal brand. And the reason that personal brands are so that create so much affinity towards them is because people can relate to that person rather than a product or a business front, you know, a faceless business. Definitely. On Instagram, I'm following the different people. and The Rock. The Rock. Oh, well, that, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> hands down. He's the champ, right? He's the people's champion. That's exactly. why I'm following him because I'm, I'm people. Um, <laughs> no, there. I mean, there are some local uh, individuals that I follow and I've just become, I feel like they've developed this unrequited familiarity. Not that I know them, but I just feel comfortable watching their feed and they, I find them useful sometimes because they'll pitch some new product that I find, I will find useful or I'll want to try and I will go and actually pursue to find information and learn about those products because of these influences. You just mentioned it there. So, so good. So the thing with personal branding is it turns up that or it amplifies that want to create an internal buying decision to mm. buy something. You just said it then. So, you know, I follow someone, I really had that sort of, you know, like for them. They showed me a product that they were using. And because I had that like and trust with them as a personal brand, Definitely. I made that internal buying decision to buy the product. So it looks like that's about time for this episode. Maybe we could dis discuss what's one main takeaway that we can leave the listeners with about how to create effective branding. So I, I think the, the one message that I guess I want to leave the listeners is authenticity and consistency. People these days really, they're so desensitized to people trying to hype things up and you know oversell things, et cetera. They really appreciate someone or a brand, a personal brand, a business brand, being authentic about who they are and what they're selling. And then the next thing is consistently getting that branding content out there, consistently getting that content out there over time so that it grows their, their brand exposure and then helps them grow that brand over time. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thanks for listening. Give us a five-star review on Stitcher or on iTunes. I would really appreciate it if you like the podcast. Thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. Thank mm -hmm. you.